Voices serves as the megaphone for individuals who have endured transformational change. By highlighting trials and triumphs, our desire is to create a safe space for pivotal conversations, which in turn will deepen the story and provoke hope for you, our listeners. As you may know, change is never easy, but it is inevitable. You are not alone in what you're facing. Your transformation is possible, purposeful, and now. And here's Aaron Wiggum, founder and managing director of New You, with this week's guest. Welcome to another edition of New Voices. My name is Aaron Wiggum. I'm the managing director and founder of New You. Also, I'm your host here of New Voices, and we're so happy for this guest we have today. We have an amazing woman with us today who's going to share some things and some tips and some tricks and all types of information for us. Uh, This woman here is an educator. She is a scholar. She is a developer. She is a uh, financier. She is a strategist. She is hungry, yet full. (laughs) She is a thought leader and a thought partner. This woman's a force, and she's just really getting started. And so I'm so glad to bring to you today this wonderful young lady who's going to share some amazing things with us. Um, I got to know her last year sometime and um we've we've partnered on so many things over the last 18 months to 20 months or whatever so i'm just so excited to have uh the one and only the designer's original raquel wilson (laughs) thank you so much aaron i appreciate you so much it's so kind such a nice introduction yes uh, I'm just grateful to be here and you and being part of the inaugural cohort. It seems like it was so long ago. It does. So many life decisions have happened since then, and I'm excited to share a little bit more about them and support the viewers and their life, life growth as well. Yes. I, you know, I'm so, since you touched on that, let me dip, go in right there. Uh, I'm so excited because uh, you were one of the uh, individuals in the first cohort. There was 14 of you all. Montana, we already interviewed. She talked about all the wonderful things she's doing, right? <laughs> Dr. Montana Kane. And then uh, now you're here also from cohort one, and you've done all types of riveting things. And so it, it just shows, it, it speaks to the value of individuals coming together. And even though you didn't work together, mm-hmm. You challenged each other and you grew together and yes. uh, the, the, the beauty of camaraderie, right? And being able to sharpen one another and then to go live your w- wonderful best lives uh, in your specific disciplines or your particular disciplines. And so uh, we're just so glad to have you today. Great. Thank you for taking out the time to be with us. Oh, yes. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Uh, I want to uh, go back. Let's go way back to... Uh, you know, Raquel as a young young lady finding her way. Yes. Uh, tell us where to where to start it. Give us a little bit of the uh, the Raquel story. Well, I always like to mention that I'm from Ohio, the hey, original O State. All right, O H I O. All right, now <laughs> don't get it twisted out here in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. But I always say that Ohio is a very important part of my upbringing. Okay. I mean, 
I am an only child and okay. was raised in an area that I always say wasn't in the hood, but it was around the corner. It was hood adjacent. <laughs> it was hood adjacent. Okay. So I was very what familiar. City? Toledo, Ohio. Toledo. Yes, That's Funktown right there. Glass City, Holy Toledo, depending hey. on how you know it, right? Okay. And I grew up going to private schools, but that was really my parents' main investment. They didn't have stocks. They didn't have bonds. They invested in my school, That's you it. know? Yeah. So I always grew up um, understanding the value of education. Mm-hmm. When I went to the Ohio State University, University. Okay, all right. I, I always knew that I wanted to help people. Uh-huh. Um, at first, I went into dentistry because I figured, you know, confidence, that's key. And even in, in you, we talk about confidence, yep. the importance of knowing yourself. Hence the amazing smile. <laughs> Okay, so she's a believer in what she's preaching. I I like it. I try, but also it comes down to knowing your values. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And I shadowed my dentist and realized, you know, this doesn't align with my values. Let me find something that allows me to engage more on a grassroots level. Mm. So then I started to look into public health, which is everything that affects your health outside of your doctor, the street roads that you have access to, the playgrounds you have access to, the food you have access to. Shout out food deserts in Tulsa and North Tulsa, right? Um, And And I found my way actually working with education, Mm. which is a way that a lot of people don't think about that affects your health. The education you have access to affects your literacy, um, not only your financial literacy, but even your medical literacy. Everything. What do you do when your doctor gives you a prescription and you don't know what it means to actually take it, right? That affects your life. Yes. And I started working in the Supreme Court with their education agency and during the time of Me Too, which was, okay. you know, a time, a time to be alive, right? And it went with Clarence Thomas and them, though, right? I mean, no. Uh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> More so working with the judges and court officials yeah, throughout the country um, and making sure that they were educated not only on the hot topics such as Me Too, yeah. but also just continuing their education and um, eradicating, finding ways to eradicate the school to prison pipeline, yeah. which I didn't really know that I was doing back then. Mm-hmm. But now looking in hindsight and seeing the thread through my story, yeah. I now see that's what it was. Yeah. So during that summer interning in DC, mm-hmm. I ended up getting recruited for Teach for America. TFA. Uh, shout out to TFA. It was yeah. divinely aligned. My co-intern, she recommended that I check it out. I got recruited literally the same day on LinkedIn. Wow. Um, and I applied. I interviewed, and when I interviewed, I put Tulsa as number seven of 10 on my preferences list. Okay. Seven. Seven. I didn't want to necessarily be here. Right. But I started to see the value once I got my placement. Do you remember remember what was six and eight? Ooh, I think it was, I remember my top four. Okay, what was top four? I had D.C., Houston, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was L.A., somewhere in California. Okay. And then Philadelphia. Okay, so you wanted to be in chocolate places. I wanted Chocolate City. That's where I was. I was excited to go back and serve there. I saw the need. Got you. But as I did more research on Tulsa, we had to select one um, of our list of 10. We had to select one city that was great need. And Tulsa was identified as a high need city. I see. And I started to do some more research. Mm -hmm. I learned a little bit more about the Tulsa race massacre. Um, and even back to your original question, I ended up finding out after I moved here yep. that my grandfather lived in Tulsa for a long time yeah. in his youth. Yeah. So that even opens up like a whole nother aspect of my ancestry and my upbringing and my legacy in yeah. relation to Tulsa. So um, from the original O State, but I stay here because of education and because of entrepreneurship yeah. and being a Teach for America alumni, I mm-hmm. taught biology, mm-hmm. moved into financial literacy, actually, nice. because I saw the need for my students, yeah. like as business owners, which I'm assuming there are some business owners that listen to this podcast and mm-hmm. watch, business owners solve real world problems. That's it. 
through their commerce solutions. Yes. And I saw in my classroom, I was experiencing the racial wealth gap every day with my students, with my parents, mm-hmm. teaching through COVID. Yeah. Like before and after mm-hmm. the semester switch when mm-hmm. we never went back to school, right? right? Right. So my business that's all about minority-friendly personal finance came from the work that I did in the classroom and working directly with my students. So mm-hmm. now I'm no longer a teacher. I still work in the school system and yeah. fundraise for the best kids in Black Wall Street. Hey. But that's really what keeps me here, entrepreneurship and education. Nice. I love that. I love that. Thank you for the 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 uh the very um eloquent uh outlay of your your past. I love that. Thank so you. when we when we think about uh you talked about briefly you talked about the prison um school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. I did some work with that a little while ago. We had a pro- uh, a program I was at. So you were at the Ohio State. I went to Penn State All and right. I worked at Penn State. But I, we I love you. You know, we ain't gotta we ain't <laughs> gotta be at odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're big ten, right? <laughs> And so, uh, but we had a program that I created called Project Game. Mm. And Game is the acronym standing, Giving Adolescents Meaningful Experiences. And the whole program was designed to disrupt the the school-to-prison pipeline. As we know that uh, prisons are built based on how many kids fail the fourth grade or Mm -hmm. going, going into the fourth grade, right? And so the idea is if you can't read, you can't learn. You know, first to third grade, you're learning to read. After third grade, you're reading to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we got, as we went deeper into this whole thing of literacy and how uh, it's it's a it's a cancer almost to or illiteracy rather is a cancer to to communities that are um, disadvantaged, right? And how much they're left out of the equation. Uh, my question is, in in doing that work that you did, uh, mm-hmm. disrupting that school to prison pipeline, what are some things that you walked away with that, um, I'm going to do this two ways, one that made you proud and then one that kind of took the wind out of your sails? It was kind of discouraging. Can mm-hmm. you give us a little bit of both? Absolutely. Well, Something that kind of gave me hope Mm -hmm. as I was disrupting the school to prison pipeline, at least here in Tulsa with KIPP Tulsa Public Schools, is seeing the success of the students. Mm. That seeing when students are invested in, that they can reach amazing feats. Absolutely. Um, Even as I was invited in today, I got this in the mail. And it's our impact report. And it was talking about, I'll share this one fact. 65% 65% of our fifth grade scholars achieved one or more grade level advancements in reading in one semester. Wow. Like a full year's worth or more Yeah, in one in semester. one semester. Yes. Over and half. Wow. It's it's amazing to see and realize that, wow, when our students are invested in, shout out to our 2022 donors, like it happens. Yeah. But- also, the other side of hope kind of wavering is seeing the effects of the pandemic, yeah. not only in the schools, but also to those that support our schools yeah. and seeing how sometimes lack of support can affect the resources that we have. Absolutely. Um, I think that's also why I work so hard in my business realm, because mm-hmm. um, when nonprofits and businesses mm-hmm. come together, we can create some really great things. Amazing. Public-private partnerships are amazing. Yeah. So. Um, I'm hopeful because of the students. Mm-hmm. And even in relation to the um, school to prison pipeline, you talked about that third to fourth grade portion being so very important yep. for general literacy. 
I see that 12th grade to freshman year, either in college or oh my gap God. year. Like, it's, it's a two-year gap, three-year gap. That's super important even for financial literacy. Yeah. Like, think about it. If you are going out into the world where they're saying you have these expenses, you have these bills, you mm-hmm. have potentially the opportunity to invest, and you don't have financial literacy, right. what's your? what do you have to turn to? Right. If you grew up in an area like me, the streets. Yeah. Simple as that. Limited options. Very yeah. limited options. Yeah, we, we we did a lot of work around that. And they, they talked about like a, you know, a 13th grade, 14th grade, because, you mm-hmm. know, students are getting out in 12th grade, but they're not fresh. They're not ready to be freshmen. Yes. And so that the distance between that's why kids are taking gap years now. And there's this whole thing. Right. Uh, the distance between 12th grade and, and freshman year mm-hmm. has 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 become greater and schools are trying to figure it out. Students are trying to figure it out. Parents are trying to figure it out. Uh, it, it, it's really become um, something that's been hard to kind of grapple with and like wrestle to the ground. How can we narrow that gap? A big part of that is literacy mm-hmm. and being able to create a level of uh, um, stability within the school systems. Um, and I don't want to get too political, but uh, in the state where we are, you know, 48th, 49th in the nation in education in Oklahoma, yeah. uh, it, it plays out in everything, in workforce development, economic development, in, you know, job readiness, job preparedness, uh, growth of the city. It plays out in every facet that you, you know, uh, you have a a populace of individuals who are not ready for what is to come. Yeah. And so... Uh, okay, enough with education. We 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 tackled that bit. I'll just do a shameless plug really sure. quickly. Yep. You mentioned the gap years. I yeah. just finished writing a personal finance curriculum, and it was including information on how students can prepare for gap years and tech school and things outside of just the traditional college. Yeah. So those that are listening, if you need curriculum development for financial literacy, okay. reach out. <laughs> cool, cool. I love it. I love it. You're working on all the angles, girl. Okay, so um, I want to go a little bit more into your uh your development year so you're mm-hmm. you're in dc you do the internship mm-hmm. and uh that segues you into tfa yes. right uh you ended up in tulsa uh you had never taught before correct i worked in the after school programs actually okay. in college but never teaching full day full only day. the That's supplemental I mean. opportunities with students yeah and so tell us about that experience what grade level did you teach and what was that experience like having to walk in and impart into these 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 young individuals? Oh, man. Um, like I said earlier, I get to advocate for the best students in Black Wall Street, and I believe that to the core. I love like, it. My kids are so awesome. It makes me want to, like, tear up every time I talk about them because mm-hmm. they're just that great. Um, it was hard, though. Yeah. Like, I taught during the 2019-2020 school year. Yeah. The first semester, we were in the school system, and one of the things I love about KIPP is that teachers get, on average, like 40-plus hours of professional development oh, wow. on top of what I was already doing with Teach for America. So okay. it was highly intensive. There were many nights where I left the school when the sun was already set. Yeah. Um, but again, seeing those outcomes on the other side and seeing actual students that I'm working with who previously didn't understand what mitosis was, and then after doing our edible cell project where students made like cell models out of Rice Krispie treats and like cakes <laughs> and all these cool things, um, seeing the learning actually come to life, yeah, and also being able to talk about CDC requirements during the pandemic in biology class, teaching wow. ninth grade and tenth grade students, so it's applied immediately. Yes, yeah. it was everything. Uh, 
when it comes to learning, it has to be easy to understand and easy to apply. Absolutely. And not only is that the UVP of my business, but also that's how I taught in the classroom. I made sure there were real life connections. I made sure that we brought in community members to speak about their experiences. And when I was a teacher, I would say that I wouldn't leave the role until the benefits that I brought to the system mm -hmm. were in the system. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud to have colleagues and fellow teachers that are doing the same type of things in their classrooms now, mm -hmm. um, which continues to give me hope, as yeah. you asked about earlier. Yeah. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, and so, as you're you're going throughout this journey, um, you have, of course, hit. You're, you're in Tulsa, brand new city. Had you been here before? I had not been here before. Yeah, I just knew that Tulsa was about four hours from Dallas. So okay. if I didn't like it, I could I always go, go to Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> I did the same research. I said, yeah. "What cities are around here?" I got. I came here in the middle of a pandemic and uh, sight unseen. Right, um, the weekend of a Trump rally, uh, the weekend of Juneteenth. Oh, right, all the friction was happening. Yeah. And when I <laughs> when I landed here, the the buildings downtown were boarded up because they thought there was going to be riots and whatnot. And uh, matter of fact, they moved my flight from a Friday to a Sunday. Uh, yep, yeah, I came on Father's Day, oh, wow. uh, twenty twenty. They moved my flight because they didn't know what they were going what was going to happen because Trump was here and it was Juneteenth. Um, and so, uh, uh. It, it's an adjustment coming to the Midwest um, and, and particularly into Tulsa, which has so much character to it, um, but not not visiting, not not having the pleasure of visiting here before. You don't realize the richness of the character of the city until you get here and you start peeling back those layers. You're like, there's a lot here. And then next thing you know, you start to become a champion for Tulsa. You're telling other mm. people, no, nah, forget what you heard. Like, <laughs> it's not what you think, right? Absolutely. And so um, I, I guess my question to you is, how have you be, begun to um, kind of position yourself in Tulsa? What were some of the things... I know you were teaching. What are ways that you kind of like become to begin to engraft yourself into the city? Yeah. And now it's kind of like a fat as part of the fabric of your life. Tulsa is a city where social capital matters. Yes. I learned this phrase in college. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. What you know keeps you there, but who you know gets you into the room. Gets you there. And right. Tulsa is a city where that is very true. Yeah. Even as a mentor to um, some amazing North Tulsa women entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. um, they talk about how they don't see the resources that are so easily available to some other groups. Mm -hmm. um, and for that reason, sometimes it seems like there's like kind of a glass ceiling or maybe some gatekeeping mm -hmm. intentionally or unintentionally. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that for me, I decided that no matter what the hurdles were, I was going to lean into my value of relationships. Yeah. That's what the R and Raise the Bar stands for, relationships. So that's mm -hmm. a true value to me. Through organizations like Build in Tulsa, I was able to do that. Of course, yeah. New You, yeah. um, an online organization called Sky's the Limit, which yeah. provides grants for entrepreneurs. That's how I funded my first book yeah. through that grant program. And at the time, they only had feet on the ground in Tulsa. Right. So I, I saw the disparities being right. with Teach for America, which is an organization I had to take out loans to move here and serve. <laughs> Um, but I said, no matter what, I'm going to find these resources and I made the connections. And yeah. then also asking for connections from people that I was able to connect with and grow with and find uh, similar interests with, right? Mm -hmm. Not just superficial connections, but really seeing how can we work together? Yeah. Where do we both agree Tulsa needs to grow towards, um, regardless of what sides of the fence you are on yeah. and actually doing the work to make that happen. So yeah. making sure that you lean into relationships. Yeah. 
No, I love that. I absolutely love that. And you're 100% right. You know, Tulsa is definitely a relationship city. Mm-hmm. This is not the city you burn bridges in. <laughs> <laughs> like you make sure that you, you keep relationships warm and that you, um, you know, it, it's a very kind city. People don't have a problem meeting with you. Very polite. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, all right, enough about Tulsa. So I, what I would love to do is um, spend some time, uh, like I said, we talk about pivotal moments in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been a scholar. Um, congratulations on your um, in, induction into the Notre Dame Hall of Fame. Is that right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So back in Toledo, I went to Notre Dame Academy. Yay. Same patron saint as Notre Dame University. Yes. Um, and this past spring, I was inducted into their Hall of Fame, the yeah. youngest ever inductee and the fourth ever Black American inductee. Give her um, some love, Jesse. <laughs> Give her some love. Give her some love. Thank you. It was a humbling experience. Of course, it was an honor um, for me to be inducted with the, I think it was called the Professional Achievement Award. Uh Um, And to be so young, I feel like, no, there's there's nowhere near complete achievement. I think it was a great material success. Um, But for me, success is just walking in the purpose and calling that God has called me to do. Like, so I I already felt success before then. I'll continue to feel success as long as I walk in the right direction. Um, But I was just, just so, so humbled and excited to continue to inspire black alumni at Notre Dame. Yeah. Because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard going to any PWI and not having the resources. Mm -hmm. Um, But also education nowadays is hard, which is why I do the work that I do in fundraising. So it was a great honor. I love that. So here's the thing. Where I was going with that is you, you know, apparently you've achieved um, and you've outpaced people as you've achieved. And so no competition. Kudos to you. (laughs) Right, right. Kudos to you. Um, But what I will say is that also means that you either you or someone has put a lot of pressure on you to achieve. Mm, mm, let's get into it. Yeah, <laughs> we going there now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you don't achieve to this degree without pressure. Absolutely. Not stress, pressure. Pressure makes diamonds. There we go, right? Yes. It makes diamonds or bust pipes, mm. right? And so let's talk about uh, the pressure that was on you as a young African-American woman in a PWI um, from Toledo, Ohio. It's not Miami, New York, LA, Chicago. It's Toledo, right? Half the size of Tulsa. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, but this trail that you're blazing is a trail that was pressure cooked. We can drop a bomb on that one. This <laughs> this uh, this t- this trail was pressure cooked, yeah. right? And how have you navigated? that pressure and delivering and rising uh, to the occasion in those moments. You know, when you said pressure cooker, I thought about a crock pot and two different crock pots. Yeah. Um, One that has a meal that has no seasoning. Okay. And one that does. Mm -hmm. They're both pressure cooked. I feel like my life is the one with seasoning simply because although there is um, inerrant pressures in my life, which I'll talk to Mm -hmm. talk about, I still did the work yeah, and I really attribute a lot of grace in my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, supernatural things have happened, yep. but for supernatural things, you still have to do the natural you work for the, the super natural. to match it. Right. Uh, that's right. So 
it starts even from birth. Like I wasn't supposed to be here. My parents had lots and lots of miscarriages and mm. the whole church was praying for me, um, okay. not only as a preacher's kid, but for me to survive. I was born as a preemie okay. and ended up being an only child in my family. Mm. So not was not only was I, I an only child, mm. but I am also a woman. And I realized around middle high school that, hmm, if I do nothing, the Wilson last name dies out here. Mm. And I chose actively to start adding that seasoning to make sure that, that this last name did not die here. And that even relates to the brand name of my upcoming app, the For Our Last Names app, mm. because we can build wealth for our last names if we choose That's to work right. towards it, if we get ourselves educated and empowered, yeah. and also if there are organizations to support, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just knowing that I was an only child and a black woman, mm. I knew that I had to make something shake, mm. right? Then I'll also say um, my mom became a widow when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. And that was not only hard for her, but hard for me. And at that moment, I realized, well, money doesn't grow on trees. And this school is $10,000 a year Mm. back in, what, 2000. So it's even more now. Wow. Um, Mind you, my parents invested in me going to private school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm. So the, the... the importance of money started to become very important to important to me after that point, yeah. adding to the pressure, right? Yeah. And I always picked up some different side hustles or odd jobs. I mean, back in college, I was assisting with papers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would say that for me, I was always trying to like climb this ladder that I couldn't reach the rung for of financial literacy. Mm. And then I came to a point of being able to learn more and being able to learn more about cryptocurrency and then paying off my student loans with my cryptocurrency profits and Mm. feeling like I was catching some of those rungs, adding more seasoning, doing more of the work to now share it to others who also were trying to reach the rungs of the ladder and not achieving on their wealth journey. Gotcha. So I will say that um, not only have those ascribed experiences of being an only child, Mm -hmm. uh, a girl only child, as well as being the daughter of a widow, Mm -hmm. um, also seeing the effect of active work, of intentional work, of faith and works Mm. made me want to go harder and share it with other people to have the hope infect them as well. Wow! Even with my classroom, the personal finance curriculum curriculum I created for them, Mm -hmm. I saw how it impacted students. I saw how students were asking me, Miss Wilson, how can I actually start investing like after class? Mm. So that made me realize, wow, I need to turn this into a book. That's how the second book came about. Like it's called Personal Finance Crash Course, What They Didn't Teach You in School because they don't teach they this don't in teach school. It. I had to create it for my students and yeah. they're so great. They graduated at a 93% graduation rate, hey. like 12% higher than Tulsa. We need a bomb for that. I love like, it. Yes. yes. That's yes. Crazy. There we go. So when I talk about my journey, I always like to look at the glass half full versus half empty. Like, yeah. yes, it was a heck of a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of grace that came with that. There was also a lot of supernatural opportunity that came with that. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of inspiration um, from others, mm-hmm. which continues to help me inspire others, a positive feedback loop. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's, I didn't even know that was going to go that, that deep. Um, but you started back with birth. The pressure started at birth. Like you had to come into this world after try, attempt, after attempt, after attempt, after attempt, you had to come into this world mm-hmm. and you persevered and you were living a life of perseverance and of triumph. Right. And wow, that's, we can go down the rabbit hole with that one. I, 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 I'm, I love it. I love it. That's, that's amazing. Resilience is real, man, but it can be built. And I just want anyone that's listening as well to know that 
even if they don't feel like they have perseverance now, that yeah. it can be it built. It can be built. Yeah, it's a muscle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and so, you know, you're 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 achieving, the pressure's still on, you're growing and you're becoming and you're getting accolades, but the pressure's still on. Have you ever had the any bouts with imposter syndrome or have you ever had fear kind of pin you in a corner and like tell you who you're not? Right. Yes. Uh Let's talk about it. What what are some maybe some 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 instances in your life where either fear or imposter syndrome or you know naysayer or whatever kind of just had you uh, in a corner and you you didn't really know how to get out? Yes. Um, and the same way that I say I'm a recovering perfectionist, yeah. I will say I am recovering from imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, similar to grief, it comes in waves. And for me, it always comes at transition points. Mm -hmm. When I was transitioning from being a teacher and grade level chair and moving into this role as director of development, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome. I felt like, who am I to hop from the classroom into this administrative executive, um, as some friends would call it, big girl role, okay. right? Um, and I realized that... <laughs> This actually came from one of my NU activities. I wrote down, your individuality is necessary. Mm. And I had to do more than just write it down. I had to believe it. Yeah. And as I started to believe it, and even as I believe it through every transition point, I realized that I bring a special thing yeah. to this role. I bring a special thing to this creation. Yeah. Even as I developed this fintech app, I've had moments where I'm like, listen, I'm a financial educator. I'm a financial advocate. Like I do this. I'm nationally recognized for this. However, mm -hmm. fintech is a whole new world. It's a whole new world. Am I a fintech founder? Mm -hmm. And I had to understand that it doesn't matter how, how new I am to it. Everyone was new to their industry at some point in time. That's it. And I know my expertise. I know my zone of genius. Yeah. And that's where teamwork, that's where delegation comes in. That's where uh, really emphasizing having the right team can really help you decrease imposter syndrome mm -hmm. because now you know it's not all on you. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited for what me and my CTO are going to be creating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but imposter syndrome comes in waves and affirmations as well. That's something that's super, super important. Even yeah. on my wealth journey, I'm like, you know, I've done this before and I've done this before. I bought a house, you know, I've paid off this and I've done this and it's great. But it's like sometimes I still have imposter syndrome, but I get back in my holistic money mindset and I read my affirmations every day. And I say, number one, I wrote this for a reason. Yeah. And number two, I've done this before. Wow. So let's keep going. Yeah. I love that. Here's the thing. <clears throat> and, and what, you know, as you were speaking, what I, what I was hearing was, you know, even though, you know, even though it's new to you. You're not new to it. Yes, that's it, are, a bar. <laughs> it already knows you. Yes, right. Whatever the it is that you're about to do, whatever the it is you're about to step, it already knows you. It's waiting for you. You're 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 new to. I mean, it's new to you, right? It's it's you're uh, you're meeting it for the first time, mm -hmm. but it already is waiting for you. Already part of the purpose. Yeah, it knows you already. Yes. You know, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her. You know what I mean? It's, it's like we ain't met each other yet, but I know her. Right. Mm -hmm. And once she once she gets here. And so I think, you know, when you, you know, speaking about imposter syndrome and, you know, dealing with am I qualified, who gets to qualify me and, you know, who, who says that I can walk out of the classroom and then start go raise go to raise money. I ain't never raised money before in my life. OK. Everything you've done, you've never done before. Everything you've done. You've okay. never done it before. You've never done it before. You know what else you haven't done before? You've never seen April 20th, 2023, right? But you, you're going to go and see it, 
right? You've exactly. never seen July 1st, 2023, but you're going to make plans to go wherever you're going to go. And just, right? And so... Essence Fest, check us out. There we are. <laughs> I, I love that, right? And so being able to um, condition yourself yeah. to realize that like whatever is new to whatever is new to me, I'm not new to it. You know, how, you know, walking in already qualified. Like, if, I don't care what the opportunity is. If they call me, I'm here because you called me. I'm not yes. here because, you know, it, it doesn't matter if if I'm the brightest person. And I wrestled with that a little bit when I got here uh, because I was, you know, I'm getting a little longer in the tooth, right? And um, when I got here, uh, I was just turning 40. Yeah, I was just turned 40 yeah, when I got here. And uh we I'm I'm at this venture capital fund. These guys are smart and women, these men and women, they're smart, they're ambitious, you know, they they've worked million dollar deals, hundred million dollar deals. They've you know, I mean they're young and they're young, they're all 35 and under, right? I'm the oldest, they would call me uncle in the company. I'm like, <laughs> I'm uncle, I'm three years older than you. Like, what you, you know? Uh, and so, uh, but I started to look around. I'm like, I'm with these thoroughbreds out here. Can I keep up? And I had to realize, well, that's the path that they've been on. You're this is day one. You're mm-hmm. you've never been in venture venture before. You're coming from higher ed and you know from ministry and from all these other. You, you've never done this before. But you know what you've done before? What's that? The transferable skills. You better watch out now. So what I did was I looked and I looked into my my reservoir, and I had to requalify myself. And I, you know what? For all I don't know in VC, this is what I do know. I know people. And it don't matter what the 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 system or the tactic or whatever, people are people. And what you may know is formulas and data and this and that, but you don't quite know people. Mm-hmm. And so this, what I can tell you is this, this strategy will work. And as I got the vernacular and I got the lexicon, I started to build my chops. I was like, okay, so all, y'all ain't even saying nothing over here. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't got no reason to be intimidated by this. You it. saw the value of the skills you were bringing. Yeah. People, oh my gosh, people skills are so important. Yes, yes. And being able to assert yourself in any community and bring out the gold in people, help them to realize their value, no matter if they no matter if they have millions or whether they have dust in their pocket, mm-hmm. like there is value, there's intrinsic value to you. And so needless to say, I don't know how we got into that. Um, uh, I I was, uh, while you were speaking though, mm-hmm. I was hearing that, you know, you're, you're already qualified. It doesn't matter, you know, but I know that there is a wrestling that happens uh, with, you know, uh, oftentimes in black and brown communities and in BIPOC communities in period where you have to deal with this imposter syndrome where you're sitting at the table and you're saying like, do I deserve to be, why am I in this seat? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then realizing that being in this seat makes you now have to advocate for everybody who's not in this seat. And you may be the only person at the table that looks like the people you're representing. And you have to do that with full gumption and full uh, uh, authority, right? Realizing that these people are entrusting you to say the right thing for what's going to happen in their lives. And so kudos to you, you. Uh, for stepping up and um, and we're going to get into your, your your how you just blossomed here over the last 18 months or whatever, but how you stepped up, you went from TFA uh, into this role at KIPP 
I remember when you came and told me, you said, I got the development role <laughs> right after Knew You, and you stepped right into that role. And then at the same time, you were launching your books. And, mm-hmm. and so we had a conversation, and this book, this three-part book, was one book. Yes. And we had several conversations. You were going to do a book release. I said, well, we'll try this place, try this place, whatever. I said, wait, why are you doing three books? How about we just, have you talked to your editor about that? Have you? Yeah, well, what do you think I should do? And we had this this whole conversation, and out of that, uh, your books became a series. Yes, right. The Black Wealth Freedom Series. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell us, um, uh, tell our listeners how you manifested uh, the tools and the resources. Not only you got from you, knew you, but from your youth and from your family and from. OU, the real OU. The real OSU. OSU. The original, number one. Trademark the. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're pouring that back into individuals, young minds, young scholars. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you've done that. Yeah. One thing I will say to connect to your past point um, that I want to share with individuals that are listening now that might be that only at the table Mm -hmm. or that youngest or the, you know, all of those things. Mm Um, yes, it's great for you to represent your the identity of people that are also not at the table, mm-hmm. but also put that responsibility on your allies as well. Yeah. I was recently at a development meeting and um, there was only one black woman there aside from myself. I was online. She was in person. And there was a white ally who mentioned like, what are we doing to level the playing field in relation to like, for example, the racial and gender wealth gap when there's only one person of color in this room of 60 people? Mm-hmm. And there wasn't really a response. Right. So that shows opportunity for growth. And that shows that we also can sometimes rely on our allies. Exactly. Um, and that leads into my book series because not every single child I taught was black. Yeah. But it's so important to have information that is for us, by us. By us. Yes. Right. And anyone, regardless of their race, can pick up this book and learn quite a bit of really good information. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to create something where people felt seen. Mm-hmm. That if I saw this on my bookshelf or in a library when I was a kid that I would feel seen. And there was a time when I only had the first book out. And actually, I think it was just the first two books, Holistic Money Mindset and Personal Finance Crash Course. And I had one poking out of my purse. Put them up again a little bit longer so they yes, can, they can see them. This is book one, Holistic Money Mindset, Get Your Mind Right. Book two, Personal Finance Crash Course, Get All of Your Money Right. And book three, The Money Moves Workbook, Achieving Your Wealth Goals in 12 Months or Less to really get the proactive and reactive reflections in your money moves, in your budget. Um, So thank you for that. Where can they purchase these? They can purchase them online at our website, rtbinvestments.org. They're also online with Amazon and uh, Walmart and Target. But I always say shop direct. You'll get some really great um, items as well as discounts and updates. Nice. Okay. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, And going back to that story, there was a time where one of my books was popping out of my bag during Mm -hmm. a parent-teacher conference. Mm -hmm. And it happened to show the back of my book. It was like upside down. Yeah. And one of my students was like, oh, is that is that you? And like she pulled out the book and she saw that it was me on mm. the back of my book. Blown away. Blown away. And yeah. I'm like, but that can be you. Yes. And that can be you if you do the work. Yeah. And 
if number one, you have that exposure and that empowerment, which she captured in that moment. Nice. So I have it not only for that financial empowerment, but also for people affected by the gender and racial wealth gap to see I can do this because someone that looks like me has also done this versus people that are talking about personal finance and don't have any shared identity or shared experiences. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm creating this app to empower first generation investors, because whether you're red, yellow, black or white, I'm from Ohio where we had Appalachia. Yeah. And there are people that are all different shades in Appalachia that do not have experience investing for many different reasons. Yeah. So in short, I just wanted to really solve that problem that I saw in my classroom, bring it to market, um, get additional qualifications. I'm a certified financial education instructor Mm -hmm. because I knew that I couldn't just speak to my own experiences. Like that was great, but we need to also make it generalizable and work for every person because personal finance is so personal, right? Um, But that's really what the series came from. It came from wanting to serve a need and Mm -hmm. knowing that um, there's a space on the marketplace because of the market size, getting into some VT, VC terms, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because of the market size, I knew there was opportunity to serve. So this yeah. book series has been sold in uh, the US, Germany, and Canada, and continuing to grow. Wow. It's really exciting to see how just a step of obedience and also asking about some mentorship yeah. has been able to impact lives across the world. I'm so proud of you. That is Thank amazing. You. That's amazing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, and we we just got a couple more questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, I heard you wrote a little letter to a famous person. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. Yes, I did. There was a, an activity in NU where we wrote a letter to our um what would I say, role models? Yeah, just somebody who you aspired, you you you, um, you uh, admired, yeah. Yes, and as someone that is type A and super organized, I said, I don't want to do a letter, I'll do a table. So I chose three of my role models. Mm-hmm. Um, those were Rihanna, mm-hmm. shout out to the Fenty Queen. Hey. Multi-millionaire, all right? Billionaire. Billionaire. Yeah, she's, a, she's that baby. B now. That's she's, awesome. She's that B now. And two babies on the way. That's amazing, love yes. her. Um, Audrey Hepburn. Oh, okay. And Catwoman, the Halle Berry version. Okay. Fellow Ohio girl. All uh-huh. right. And something that I aspired to with all of them is they all work with social in some way. Both Audrey Hepburn and Rihanna with their philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Halle Berry, she has some businesses that focus on social entrepreneurship and social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of saw Catwoman as my... When I think about the SWOT analysis that mm-hmm. we also did it in you, mm-hmm. Catwoman is kind of like highlighting the weaknesses and threat side, yeah. whereas Audrey Hepburn and Rihanna were highlighting my strengths um, and opportunities, strengths and opportunity yeah. sides. So it was a really great opportunity for me to just think about, hmm, what are the different aspects of myself? When mm-hmm. do those need to turn on? When do those need to turn off? Yeah. Not in a sense of code switching because right. that's a whole nother topic, yeah. but in a sense of leveraging your strengths and um, leveraging your strengths and being intentional about growing your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you also asked by the letter. I don't know if I ever told you this, so this might be new, no. but I actually wrote a rap. Hey, uh oh. <laughs> Give us I'm a not going to, I cannot give, wrap give, it for give you. Give us a beat, Jesse. I won't, I won't. I'm sorry. That's a private recollection. Uh, <laughs> but what I will say, I'll sing you the song that it was like inspired by, but um, I'd like to say this. When you get into a reflective mood, it can bring you ways to really honor your inner child. And mm-hmm. when I was a youngster, I would always write poetry and uh, kind of rap, especially during the Nicki Minaj era. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't done anything like that or written anything like that since I was a kid. Wow! So that just goes to show the importance of being reflective. That's why in book three, it's like you got to reflect before every single next budget, mm-hmm. before the next quarter, before the next year. Yeah. We cannot just move 